Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson. I've got Kurt Mortensen here with me. Kurt, I've been in Orlando for the last three and a half days, and I shook probably 400 different hands and talked to so many different people, and it was just a persuasion mecca of blunders and ninjas and all kinds of things that were very interesting. Well, you got two challenges there. It's Orlando, which can, uh, depending if you're doing business or playing, and then, of course, that many hands, you got to talk about uh, germs and the uh, handshakes that were confident and the handshakes that gave you the willies, as we'll call them, and uh, you're probably glad to be home. Yeah, well, there are a ton of different kinds of handshakes, and yeah, I did get sick, of course, <laughs> but <laughs> there's the, the firm, there's the confident handshake. There's the cold fish, and even worse, I don't want to go into detail, but the wet fish. <laughs> the wet, gooey, sweaty fish. What, oh, uh, what about yeah. the bump? Did you get any bumps? What do you mean bumps? Like the knuckle bump? <laughs> no knuckle bumps at this oh, one. Oh, all right. Every once in a while you'll see those. Or <laughs> what I, I got to ask is, what about the people that pull you in and just won't stop shaking? Yeah, yeah, the overzealous handshaker. Mm. Had, a, had a couple of those, but... See, I was the one behind the table. I was the vendor, so people were a little more cautious. But that was what was funny, is I noticed that a lot of these other vendors, one of the main reasons they were there was to poach other vendors for their event or something. So they'd come around. So when somebody was really, really just excited to see me and did pull in a little bit, I knew instantly, okay, you want to sell me something. Yeah, you can see it in their eyes, like, wait a minute, what are you up to? Why are you being so friendly? Why are you really here? <laughs> yeah, you don't want what I have. You're up to something. <laughs> you took my freebie off the table, and now you want to sell me something? What's up with that? <laughs> I've done trade shows before where, well, there's this one called The Money Show, and it's a really big trade show done a few times a year across the world. And the idea is they'll bring in six or 7,000 investors over a three-day period, and there's literally a 100 exhibitors in a gigantic exhibit hall in Vegas or Orlando or Anaheim or something like that. And it's a horrible show to do because you sit there, you're all ready, this exhibit hall is empty, and it's just you and the other exhibitors. You're sitting there, you've got your hands behind your back, you're ready to go. They open the exhibit halls, and I'm telling you, you have never seen senior citizens run so quickly to scoop up as many free pens and t-shirts <laughs> as they can. <laughs> yeah, I've done my share of trade shows, and that's a big issue, especially the ones that, you know, if you're going to take my freebie, at least let me talk to you for 30 seconds or give me your business card. But then after the end of three days, you're, you're just so tired of smiling and being happy. You just want to hit somebody. <laughs> right, right. It's just, it's, it's just people don't realize how exhausting that can be to be up and smiling for three days straight. It is exhausting, yeah. The, the guys next to us are a publicly traded company, and they brought tons of hats and pens and bags and all kinds of things. And by the end of the, 
the trade show, they were just shoveling this stuff at people have to take it home with them. <laughs> so yeah, the the free swag people, swag standing for stuff we all get. They were loving these guys by the end of the show, but yeah, it was definitely interesting to see the different persuasion styles that these people took on because it was a very educated audience. These people in this audience were all owners of self-directed IRAs. So they their retirement plan was in something that they got to decide where it went to. So these are I guess by its very nature Somebody who has a self-directed IRA is more educated because they want to make the decisions and they have to be. So I saw a lot of old school techniques just completely flopping. It was a bloodbath at times. And you were just probably sitting in the background just smirking a little bit, weren't you? There there was a lot of smirking. <laughs> You're like, oh, blender, blender, blender. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we will introduce them over the next couple of months because I've got a long list. There you go. <laughs> well, you found some pretty interesting research recently about body language as it pertains to confidence and poker, which I had a long layover in the Las Vegas airport last night. So I played a few slots, I admit. I was just well, kind of there bored. you go. Did you win? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, there's not a good uh, statistical chance of winning slot machines, but that's a whole other episode to talk about casinos and their persuasion. In the journal Psychological Science, he did some studies with poker because you will hear – We've talked about this the last couple episodes about body language and deception and how we try to read people. And so when you get in the poker, we always hear about the poker face, you know, looking at the face, looking for those tells. What are they doing throughout this thing? We see it at movies. We see it all the time. And so they had a couple of groups of students watch 20-second videos of people playing poker. It was interesting because we always think about the face. Now, one of the groups saw the face and the arms, and the other groups just saw the torso and the arms, didn't see the face. And they were going through and guessing the confidence of the players. You know, and this was based on how the game turned out after the players revealed the cards. They couldn't see the cards ahead of time. So they were just looking, again, some at the face and some at the torso and the, the movement of the arms. And based on the result, the researchers found that in spite of all the years of talking about the poker face, that body language did more in giving away their confidence levels than anything else. The findings show that even simple body language, the movement, the clues that your arms and how fast you move your arms and how you move your arms can reveal how confident a person is feeling. And that's one of the first things we teach in Detecting Deception is we're really good at controlling our face and our eyes a lot of times because that's what we're aware of. Sometimes we have to look at other clues and they found that your arms, your arm movements, how fast you moved them, the way you moved them was a bigger indicator in confidence and revealing the lack of confidence than the poker face. Well, that's pretty interesting, because if you see it in the movies, it's true, right? So I saw the, I believe it was the Quantum of Solace, one of the recent James Bond movies, and I don't know how many James Bond movies have taken place in a casino. Maybe, oh, this was Casino Royale, duh. Okay. Well, about 72%. I'm making that up. That's probably about right. They're always in a casino, and he's always playing poker. That's always part of his character it seems like yes and and the hot lady has somehow found her way to him and she's standing there and it's just a tense scene but the villain they're in really high stakes poker i think james bond gets a loan from the cia because this guy they're playing against is one they want to get and he runs out of money so the cia gives him like 10 million dollars to bet on this poker game but he eventually sees that this guy's hand is his tell he do a little twitch with his finger when his uh, hand was not very good. So 
that's how James Bond eventually took down the villain and saved the free world. So if you want to save the free world via a poker game, you've got to pay attention to the hands and the arms, don't you? Well, everyone's out to save the world, so this is good. Learning to read the body language, to read those tells, to read the whole aspect. I mean, people tell you everything you need to know via their body and body language to persuade and influence them. If the listeners would just take that moment, the chance, the time to look at it instead of being so concerned about what to say next. It really is valuable because we live in this era of social graces where you can't really say mean things or you can't say totally what you mean all the time. Now, granted, that doesn't stop some people. They, they will say it no matter what. In fact, we had this lesson with my daughter. She's been speaking her mind a little bit too much lately and we're trying to teach her the delicacies of the English language and how to soften up a little bit. But people, when you're working in an organization, maybe you got to go to your boss for approval on something or rally coworkers for support on something that you want to change within the company. And it really is valuable because you can tell how much support you're really going to get from people by these kinds of tells. If they really mean what they're saying and they're really far behind it. That's been something that's really helped me over the years because, yeah, your boss might tell you, yeah, this is good, we can do this. But if he's letting that tell slip, you know, okay, this guy might not be completely sold on this. I've got to get some more evidence. I've got to make a better argument because I don't want to go diving into this head first, have my reputation staked on it when I really don't have the support I'm going to need to finish the project. I mean, you've pegged it there as far as really understanding it, really using it, being aware of it. That alone goes a long way in the world of persuasion and influence. It probably goes back to many things when we're talking about body language or detecting deception. It's always that baseline. It's going to be very difficult for you to just go find a complete stranger and be able to find out what their tell is. That's like we use that James Bond example. It took him a while took him a few hands of getting totally creamed to be able to find what this guy's tell was. The takeaway here would be next time you need to get support from somebody or you're trying to figure out where you really stand, you've got to pay attention to the arms. What do somebody's you, arms do? Go ahead. When people do have time or persuaders have time, maybe going to the mall and finding strangers or at family reunions when you're bored is a great time to practice on when it doesn't really matter if you persuade and influence them. There might be a time to kind of pick up on the the gestures, their hand movements, and look at the, the way they shake hands, the way they move their hands. Do they do that famous fig leaf or do they cross their arms? Are they always touching their face? There are so many elements there that you can really start to pick up on in, in situations where you don't need it. So when you get into a situation when you need to learn to really read somebody, you've practiced it in other situations that aren't important. But now that it's important, you know exactly what to look for. Exactly, exactly. So what are some scenarios where... <laughs> The outcome isn't very critical. If it's at work, if it's with your family, just find something where the outcome isn't a big deal. Practice on the small stuff first, and then you can ratchet up to those bigger things at work or in critical negotiations where you need to be very good at this. But it could be something as silly as, hey, you want to go eat here? <laughs> and they say, yeah, but nah, you're getting some different tells on those arms and that body language. They'll do that same thing on, hey, do you want to pay a million dollars for this contract? It's the same thing. <laughs> And for those that are parents, when you have kids or even teenagers, that's even a better place to start practicing because it's almost easier sometimes with kids and teenagers because they haven't realized how much they are revealing. That's true. They're completely oblivious to that stuff. 
their parents are lie detectors and they're <laughs> blows their mind how good they are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, cool. Cool. We're, we're keeping the intro portion and our content portion of the show short today because we have a guest. A guest? Who's our guest? Our guest is a good friend. We've known him for a number of years and we're not bringing him on the show just because he's a good friend. This guy's a pro. His name is Jerry Clark with clubrhino.com, and he is one of the preeminent uh, teachers on direct sales techniques in the industry, in the world. He's very good at what he does, and he's been very successful, had a lot of success with a couple of direct sales companies, and now they just pay him gobs of money to do full-time training for him. And, gobs uh, is good. Yes, yes, I'm sure everybody <laughs> listening would like some gobs of money. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Jerry Clark, who we sometimes call Big Money Jerry, for good reason. Kurt and I have known Jerry for a number of years. Actually met him, I think it was at a, a show down in Los Angeles by the airport, and he came by, said hi to us, and before I know it, he was calling me Big Money Steve, and I was calling him Big Money Jerry, and that's just how we've known each other over the years, kind of kept in touch, and we certainly have a lot of admiration for what he does. Jerry is really big in the direct sales industry and training people how to sell, how to persuade, how to negotiate, and really tap into that inner motivation that's going to help them be successful when it comes to that industry. Jerry, welcome to Maximize Your Influence. All right. Hey, thanks, Steve and Kurt. I appreciate you guys inviting me to be here. Yeah, we're, well, we're glad to, we're have, glad you. to have you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know Kurt has a couple of questions for you, but before we got there... I wanted to ask you, Jerry, what have you been working on lately? What's your big push right now? Well, that's an interesting question here. As I just got back from a big tour this past uh, uh, summer, and I went around the world doing some trainings and teaching people some of the strategies on how they can be more persuasive and how they can get more out of themselves so they can start producing better results in their lives. So I spent some time in Australia, did about eight seminars and trainings there. And went over to New Zealand, did some trainings there, then went over to London, did some trainings there, over to Canada, and all around the United States. And finally, I'm home here so I can get a chance to sit down and talk with you guys. Good deal. Kurt, you want to, uh, I know you had some things to ask Jerry about personality types. You bet. I mean, as we've been studying persuasion and influence, the big factor, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, is that. Your default setting is that you persuade people how you like to be persuaded. We all know that's wrong. Your goal is to persuade people how they want to be persuaded. And that's why Jerry Clark's here. He's an expert in colors and personality type. So, Jerry, let me ask you, when do you get to the point where you've understood personality types and colors? And, and what has that done for you in your career? Well, that's a good question. So here's what happened for me. I was always this kid that wanted to produce more in life. In other words, I just wanted to be more. I wanted to do more. I wanted to have more. And at a young age, and I would say beginning at 18 specifically, that's when I deliberately started looking for resources that could allow me to become a better human being, You know, that can allow me to become more powerful from the standpoint of just being able to take more action whenever there's something I want to go and, and produce to be able to actually do it. And then when I'm engaging in people in the process of producing results, because almost anything you're doing, no matter what profession you're in, you're going to encounter people. And I started realizing a common trend. I was like, wow, the people that are more effective and being able to create 
the rapport more effective in being able to create collaborations, uh, more effective in being able to communicate with people in regards to their products, their services, in regards to their life in general, are people that tend to produce more in life. They produce more income, but the main reason they're producing more income is because they're producing more value. And once I started taking a close look at that, it's very interesting. I started asking myself, where can I receive more information that can allow me to become better at dealing with people because dealing with people is one of the biggest skills that I noticed that can allow you to produce more just like I wanted to do. I wanted to produce more. And so I ended up coming across a book as I was in a bookstore. Anytime you want information, you go seek it. And one of the places you go seek it is maybe the bookstore. Nowadays, you may go to Amazon or there's all the digital stuff out there nowadays. But I went there and I came across this book called Personality Plus. It was a book written by a lady named Florence Littire. I started reading that book and I thought it was interesting because it started talking about these different behavioral styles. And, you know, I was like, wow, this is fascinating. But the only problem is that the names that they were using was very difficult for me to pronounce. I mean, I couldn't say, you know, choleric or, you know, melancholy. I mean, I could barely say that. So it took me some time to start getting used to those words. So I kind of put the book to the side. Until a couple years later, I came across this young lady. She was 21 years old, and she was earning over $40,000 a month. And this lady didn't have any business experience uh, prior to, to the two years when she first got started in business, but she had no business experience. She was actually homeless when she was a teenager. And she went from there to earning over $40,000 a month. So I was very curious. I was like, you are earning over $40,000 a month. How did you do that? And when I asked, how do you make that happen? She said, I learned something from a guy who taught me how to be more effective with people. And I said, well, tell me more. And she said, okay, not a problem. She said, I got a seminar, as a matter of fact, coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I said, okay, well, tell me about the seminar. So it was like three or $400 and it was a weekend seminar. And so I went to the seminar. I figured anytime a young lady who's 21 years old is earning $40,000 a month and just a little bit before that, she was homeless and living in her sleeping in her car, I think I better know more about this. So I went to her training, her seminar, and I noticed it was the same type of information that was in that book called Personality Plus by Florence Littire. And I was like, wow, this is the same type of information, except this lady was using colors. She was using yellows, blues, greens, and reds to explain this concept. And I attached to that because it was very easy for me to say yellow or blue or green. And I said, this is great. So I started learning. I started delving into the information. And then one of the things I did was I asked her, I said, so where did you learn this information from? And she said, well, I learned it from a guy named Bill. And I said, well, tell me about Bill. She said, well, Bill, he's a very successful entrepreneur. Uh, He's earning about a half a million dollars a month right now in personal income. And he says that he's earning that money predominantly because of what he learned about people and how to be more effective with people and the the behavioral style uh, that I just uh, taught you about the behavioral styles. And I said, okay, let me go talk to Bill. So I went and talked to Bill. And the bottom line, I, I really found out that a lot of people who are very successful using this information, they said that this was one of the things that really, really catapulted them to a whole nother level because they explained to me and they said that anytime you're going to engage in business at all, any kind of business, if it involves you sharing a product or service with someone else and for them to see that your product and service may be able to benefit them. Number one, you have to be able to articulate a value proposition 
that they feel they could benefit from. Number two, in order to do that, you have to be able to get their attention. And one of the best ways to get their attention is to actually communicate in a language that they will be more attentive to once they hear. And that language is the language of their behavioral style. When people hear you communicate in their language, they get more attentive. They want to hear a little bit more about what you're saying. They are paying more attention to what's going on. And at the very least, you will get more attention from others so they can hear your proposition out. Now, if your proposition is not going to benefit them, then none of this other information is going to it's going to help. It's going to do any good. So starting from the premise that you have something of value that other people can benefit from and that you are articulating that value proposition in a way that will at least capture their attention and want to hear what you got to say. And they will quickly know whether or not it will make sense for them to move forward. So what is done for me, kind of follow up with some of your, your second part of your questions, what is done for me is I believe because I started learning this when I was a, a teenager and really got into it when I was about 23 years old. That's when I really, really got into it. And I'm in my mid-40s now, so that kind of gives you an idea. That was quite a while ago. And the interesting thing that has happened for me is that I was able to take that information as well, be able to use it in all the businesses that I had established, everything from real estate businesses, from direct sales business, from um you know, by online activities that I got going on or my training and, and leadership development trainings and all that. I've been able to use it in every single aspect of all the businesses that I've created. And it has, uh, you know, generated millions of dollars for myself. It's generated millions of dollars for my clients that I've worked with, uh, millions of dollars for my students who have decided to learn this information and use it as well. And uh, it has uh, generated lots of joy not only in my life, but the lives of others. So it's really, and, and I can't begin to tell you what it's done for my own personal family, as far as my wife and my kids, and just the way we're able to be more effective with each other because we understand each other. So I just believe that the more people can understand others, then the more effective they're going to be. And here's, let me just kind of sum it all up as a reason why this is something that people deserve to pay close attention to, whether or not they go and get a $15 book called Personality Plus, by Florence Littar or whether or not they pick up one of my training programs called The Magic of Colors that go into it in detail from an audio perspective. And people go to clubrhino.com for that. Or whether or not they go to any resource that is talking about personalities, behaviors, and and, and so forth. Whatever resource they go to to explain that uh, information, it doesn't really matter. The main key is to understand that Whenever two people come together, this is why this is so important. Whenever two people come together, there, there's two dynamics going on. If they look at a scale, there's two sides of the scale. And one side of the scale is what we call tension. And on the other side of the scale is what we call cooperation. So for the most part, I would assume that most people desire to have more cooperation whenever they're meeting with another person. So if you want more cooperation, one of the biggest ways of getting that is to reduce the tension level. If you reduce the tension level, you're going to increase the cooperation level. Now, that doesn't mean that the person is going to do what you want them to do or they're going to get what you want them to get or anything like that. Remember, it goes back to value. If what you have is not of value to this other person, then they probably not going to get it and they shouldn't get it. But what we're talking about is to at least put yourself in a position to be able to have someone else hear your information or hear your value proposition to see if it is of value to them. 
And the way to do that is to learn how to decrease attention, increase cooperation. And the best way to do that is to learn how to communicate in a person's behavioral style. So if you learn how to communicate in their behavioral style, and once again, I use colors, yellows, blues, greens, and reds to explain it. But if you learn how to communicate in their behavioral style, you're going to allow yourself to decrease the tension levels and increase the cooperation levels, which is going to increase the results that you get for yourself and others. That's music to my ears. I'm really glad that you hit that point, uh, reducing tension and the way you talk to other people. Well, let me ask you this. What do you say to the person that says, well, I'm not going to change my behavior, my style to, to adapt to somebody else. If they don't like me, they don't like me. I want to hear your take on that. Right. Well, there's a couple things. Number one, it's important for people to understand because some people might say just what you said, Kurt. And some people may say, well, that means I'm not being authentic. If I'm mm-hmm. being, you know, someone else, you know, I've got to be authentic. I got to be myself. And that's kind of what you're talking about there. And what I suggest to people is that, first of all, it's important for people to understand that we all have a little bit of all of these colors in us. So we all have a little bit of the strengths and weaknesses, the likes and dislikes that's contained in all the behavioral styles. So we all have a little bit of all that in us already anyway. It's just a matter of if you want to connect with others, if you want to give them the opportunity to feel at ease, if you want to give them the opportunity to feel less tension, so then that way they will be more present with whatever it is that you have to share, then you may want to choose to learn a little bit more about this information and to use more of this information. Now, of course, it's your choice. So if a person just chooses not to learn this information, if they choose not to want to decrease the tension levels in other people, then that's okay too. Here's a prime example I can give everybody. It's sort of like, let's say, for example, uh, you take a trip. Okay, so you go on a vacation and you say you want to go, let's think of a place. Um, How about, I don't know, Paris, since everyone talks about going to Paris. Okay, so you go to Paris, France. Now, you get to Paris and the interesting thing is that you're going to be surrounded by people that, for the most part, do not speak English. And you're going to feel a little tension. However, you would love to not feel that tension. So if someone, let's say you jump in a taxi and you say, um, oh, I want to go to the mall or whatever. And a person looks back at you and started parlez-vous francais <laughs> And let's say you don't know how to speak French at all. Now there's a problem here, right? So number one, you got a lot of tension because you got a place you want to get to. Number two, there's a barrier going on because this person is attempting to assist you, but they're not communicating in your language. And... So there's a challenge. So you may not be able to get to where you really want to go with that particular individual. You may have a hard time actually in Paris finding someone who's going to speak English. About 85% of them speak French. And even those who speak English sometimes don't like to speak it. So <laughs> so, you so, true. That in mind. so the point is, if that person in the cab in, in Paris, France, looked at you and started communicating English with you, you would, number one, feel very relieved. And number two, you're going to feel like, great, I know I'm going to be able to get to exactly where I want to go now. It's the same thing in business. So just assume that the people that you're coming in contact with, it's a business or personal life, just assume that they are someone who has come to your country and they really don't speak your language 100%. They might understand some of it. So just think, someone else who's a different behavioral style is like a person who's in another country speaking a totally different language. 
Because believe it or not, the yellows, even though we're all speaking English here, from a behavioral standpoint, the yellows are motivated by something different than the reds are motivated by, for example. The blues are interested in something different than what the greens are interested in, for example. So ultimately, it's going to go back to us with what are our objectives? What are we seeking to accomplish? Are we seeking are we seeking to move forward and produce better results for ourselves, our families, and others? Or we can stay where we are and not really go any further. In other words, we can stay where we are and we can get what we can get by staying exactly where we are without making any alterations at all. And that's our prerogative. You can definitely do that. But I'm going to suggest that there's so much more waiting for you if you allow yourself to just take a quick overview, get a quick overview, get a quick glance of what this stuff is really all about. And just do one thing. Just understand that if you are married, if you are married, you more than likely have married someone that is not your exact behavioral style. And if there's been any tensions in a relationship of your marriage, there's any communication challenges, there's anything you wonder, why is your spouse like that? And why come they like that, but I don't like that? You're going to find so much more of the reasons behind that just by understanding these behavioral styles. So if you forget about everybody else, but just say the only person I really care about is me and my family, you're going to get so much value from this just by, by learning this information to be able to understand your family better and to be able to communicate more effectively with your family. And I'm telling you, that is a worthy objective just doing that alone. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Hey, well, Steve, let's just pause it right there. And I know our listeners want to know more about the colors and Jerry's been so great to reveal all this information. Let's continue on next week on the podcast. Is that all right with you to continue with Jerry Clark and his colors? Oh, yeah. There was just simply too much good information to cram onto one podcast. We'll have to pick up where we left off next week. Let's do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Join us next week for part B of colors and personalities and Jerry Clark. Make it a great week. Go out there and persuade with power and make the world a better place.